Y'all shut up. I've had the hardest time coming up with an intro for this particular episode. I could touch on the impossibilities to recreate these classic songs, the politics behind interracial relationships, the closed-door policy of Hollywood in the 90s, or even the fact that this album wasn't supposed to exist. If you're anything like me, your vocal cords have been intimidated and terrorized for the last 30 years by the masterpiece that is Whitney Houston. If you're anything like me, though, you are also just now finding out the wild journey it took for us to have been bestowed with her talent in that level. Welcome to Get Into the Groove, the podcast where we find a groove and, well, we get into it. Let's see who we have with us today. <laughs> she can cast a spell, secrets you can't tell. She'll mix a special brew and put a fire inside of you. She's every woman. She's Jeannie. Mm, thank you. She's every that might be the best woman. one I think I've gotten. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> All right. He sees through right to the heart of you, breaking down your walls with the strength of his love. It's Brandon. Mm-hmm. Hello. Man, I feel like revenge is coming for my intro last time. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, he's got the stuff that you want. He's got the stuff that you need. He's got more than enough to make you drop to your... Oh, it's Colton! Oh. <laughs> hello, hello. Hello! <laughs> Today we're exploring the epic soundtrack to the 1992 movie The Bodyguard. Okay, some quick background, y'all. How many facts do you you guys know about this movie? I know y'all zero. Watched it? Oh, oh no. I know. I watched it okay. for I, the I first time it. in my life. Wonderful, I just put that wonderful. Down. Um, and I know this is where uh, the song comes from. It is. Um, and we all know the song. Is it the Kenny G one? It is. It's it's exactly exactly Kenny. Kenny. How did you know? But Th- I, this I, made Aaron Neville's career. <laughs> I knew very little about this. Um, Going into it. All right, great. Colton, did you know anything about this going into it? I have actually not seen The Bodyguard, but I tell you, uh, Caitlin, my sister, uh, listened to this like nonstop. Growing right. up, so I'm pretty familiar with the album itself. Got it. Perfect. Jean? I haven't seen the movie. I'm not that familiar. This is a Whitney Houston education for me, actually. You know what? That's fair. And uh, to be completely honest with you, you don't need to watch the movie to listen to this soundtrack. Oh, yeah. At all. But right. you can also skip the last half of the soundtrack if you don't watch the movie because it's then very not important. Right. But I didn't say that. Um, <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> well, I would like to give a few fun facts to those of people who are not uh, familiar with The Bodyguard at all, especially those two of you who haven't even seen the movie. Uh, it stars Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston, obviously. It's Whitney's movie debut. What? It's her first movie ever. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is very... Uh, it gave me Stars Born vibes, not necessarily the plot, but like in its delivery. Yes. Well, what's okay. interesting about story. it? It was actually written in the seventies, and it was supposed to star Steve McQueen and Diana Ross. Ooh. Oh my god! That would have been crazy, oh. epic. Mm-hmm. But they kept it got rejected by like sixty-seven studios, oh. and it just kept getting pushed off and pushed Which off is and so pushed off. Silly, because that sounds so cool now. Like, yeah. yeah, it really was. Well, I- the the writer himself. Uh, let me see here. I scroll past it. The writer's Lawrence Kasdan, um, who also wrote a lot of the Star Wars movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. He wrote Body Heat and The Big Chill. And by the time he got around back to like Body Heat and The Big Chill, he got enough like 
what's the word I'm looking for? Clout? Clout, thank you. Enough clout in Hollywood to be able to support this movie, which Kevin Costner was actually the one who read the script and was like, why hasn't this been I made yet? See. And he was coming off of Robin Hood. I see. Oh, yes. If you actually look it up, the top star <laughs> in 1992 was Kevin Costner. Wow. Nice. Robin Hood movie is so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> but it got him straight. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Lord. <laughs> That's very interesting about the, uh, the, the, the writer. Because, like, just listing off those few movies, like, he had the 80s, like, in the palm of his hand. Like, he made the 80s. Absolutely. This is what it sounds like. And this was originally written as an action movie. Oh. I mean, there's still story. action. There's still plenty of action. It wasn't supposed to be a story, and it wasn't supposed to have all this music in it at all. Wow. It, they really made, like, a genuine epic. Like, like it has so many... Uh, let's get into it. Anyway, uh, they, yeah. yes. Okay. So, uh, real quick. Yes, it was written as an action movie, but Clive Davis was the one who came in and said, this is not going to work. You guys need more music if you're going to have Whitney in this movie, essentially. Right. So, that's when he brought in David Foster to add to the the musical... Element. meat of yeah. the movie essentially um and we'll get into who david foster is a little bit later because okay. we're actually skipping all of his songs first <clears throat> um kevin costner fought for this movie he fought for whitney to be in the movie the producers didn't want her they didn't say out loud it was because she was black but he knew that was the reason and he fought and fought and fought and once he got it green lighted then she was going to go on tour and they were like oh well i guess she can't do it and he said we'll just wait a year <gasps> Which is exactly what they did. They waited a year until she was available and he had her in this movie. Um, he also was the one who uh, fought for uh, almost all of the songs that she ended up singing in the movie to be in the movie. Wow. Mm-hmm. Am I falling in love with Kevin Costner? Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston ended up being really good friends. Like he gave a massive eulogy Aww. at her funeral. Look it up on YouTube. It's there. I actually watched it today. It's very moving. I was crying by the end of it. But yeah, they were very close because they were both very religious and grew up in church. I love when people can connect and they become real good buddies and like... Help each other out. Exactly. No, I love hearing about people who, yeah, like advocate. They're like, no, this person is great. Yeah, no, I love that. Oh, that's sweet. Right. That's um, anyway. So um, we're going to get started with the album. I we are going out of order today, ladies and gentlemen, which is odd for us. But this is not we're an album shuffle. that is put together for concept or by one artist. This has got multiple artists on it as well. Um, so we're kind of going to go through the the songs that, quote unquote, don't matter as much. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> first, and we're just I would like to quick. know who you're quoting because you definitely um, said quote unquote. I had, I had a little, little, little text tiff with a friend <laughs> of mine this morning <laughs> about whether we should even talk about these songs at uh-huh. all. And I uh-huh. thought that the, all of these songs are made by musical legends and they deserve okay. the respect of okay. being mentioned. We're not going to speak a lot about them. No. <laughs> yes. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. That no wasn't just dis- oh. uh, disagree with you. Point your finger at me. I don't want to get too deep into the topic because I feel like I, I we we got to get into the the album itself. And we're not. That is not the right. plan. I want to I want to slam through these. Like, hey, what'd you think? Was it bad? Was it good? Let's walk through. <laughs> like, bye. <laughs> I just genuinely, um, I have qualms with uh, the idea of soundtracks as albums, and I I know I'm going to be in the minority on this, but I don't know. I, I I completely agree with the Whitney Houston half because it is very much it's career defining songs. And, you know, half of it is Whitney Houston, you know, it's a Whitney Houston album. It starts out the other stuff, though. I mean, it's just like it's not it's a collection of songs that if the movie were removed from it, it it 
there's it's not an album. It's just no, song. and I'm not really looking at this as an album. Sure. And I think that's what you know. If we're looking at just the stories behind some of these albums oh, being yeah. made, like this is the biggest album Whitney ever put out. And if we're right, looking yeah. at that, we can't just look at one small piece of it. Yeah, I don't feel like I don't feel like that's, that's doing fair. it justice. So it's like we have to touch on it just a little bit because especially <laughs> since the people on this album, half of them came on here for the movie. This is true. So people like David Foster, people like the other producers are the ones who talk them into even coming back out. Some of them came out of retirement for this. Like, and not all of them are completely like I didn't recognize a lot of the names obviously like Kenny G is is a very yeah. well known I artist. have some I have a little bit of little fun facts for you on all okay. of them real quick so you all at right. least know who they are I'm some point of reference there all I right. just want well, to go ahead and say that I am the person that will die on the hill for albums or soundtracks being considered <laughs> albums especially if they're like a cultural moment sure. and this okay. this is the bodyguard is a cultural moment Whitney Houston songs are a cultural moment the movie I would cool. argue but th- this movie was like a crossroads of like yes. a lot of it was it. Yes. Uh, I'm not arguing with that. I think Moulin Rouge is also could be argued a cultural moment. I think that soundtrack <laughs> that all is together is epic. That is absolutely not. And it's okay. put together. Okay. It's put together. Okay. Now hold on. <laughs> on purpose. Hold on. Okay. So first of all, I don't have that much context for Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge is a collection of pop, pop songs, music. right? Yeah. 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 It's been stylized right. to fit the film. Okay. Take the film out of the equation. Is it an album? Yes. Yeah. Tells a story. The whole, yeah, it actually does tell a story. I don't know. From start to finish. I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, if you don't know that much about it, then you wouldn't know. Well, hold on. I'm not obviously, <laughs> obviously I'm not going to argue that Moulin Rouge doesn't have a story. Cause I mean, that would be a stupid point no, but to you argue. Can, but if you just listen to the album, you can, you know exactly what's going on at all times. Like it does follow a story. Yeah. I think that you're, I guess, what you're balking at is the idea that it wasn't set down all together and written well, by no, the, like it, with the same intent ultimately. Yeah. It, well, Maybe? it's, it's a story stitched together of different artists songs that like, it wasn't an album that's written around a certain theme or themes or like, one cohesive vision. It's just like somebody made a playlist that the songs so happened to like coincide with each well, other. I mean, did if, that happen? If you take the story out, like, or did Mulan they get Rouge. the script and they like they were like, yeah, this is what my contribution to the script will be because that does happen. I don't know. I don't know. A lot of times, know. artists like someone comes to them and they're like, here's a script. Here's kind of what I want, and that's how I mean, songs wind up on soundtracks. That's kind of. I feel like that's how uh, the new Great Gatsby was kind of curated because mm-hmm. it was Jay Z was kind okay, of. Yeah. Well, in charge of all that, the way that I look at it too, uh, the person I I turn to when we talk about music and movies is Tarantino. Yeah. You take the movies out. They're just like good songs put in a collection. It's not, it's not a cohesive movies to fit the songs that he likes into his movies. This is true, but I I don't know. This is an endless point that I don't want to argue on because I know I'm kind of in the minority. Well, consider me dead on the hill. (laughs) I am dead on that hill with you, Brandon. <laughs> we are holding hands going into the light. Continue, though. Continue. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to start with, uh, I'm sure, the fan favorite. I can't <laughs> imagine why it wouldn't be the fan favorite. Jesus loves me. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> the fan favorite. <laughs> I forgot you were going out of order. And I'm like, oh, I will always love you. Yeah. Of no. course. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus is a friend of mine. <laughs> 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 this is obviously sung by Whitney Houston. It's one of her most popular gospel covers, um, produced and arranged by B.B. Winans, who is a uh, massive gospel artist and star who's been around for like decades, like forever. He's one of those. Okay. Um, for me personally, it speaks to the African-American presence in the movie without speaking to it directly because mm. it's just briefly sung by she and her sister Nikki. It's something that we all 
have all sung in church and all sing at home and it is a thing. Yeah, yeah. So I see the importance of it in the movie. I don't love the whole the whole version on the <laughs> soundtrack is a little much for like this could be like the hidden track at the end of the soundtrack just do a quick like 30 second you know like the gospel medley on the destiny's child album you know what i'm saying where it's like a minute just a minute it's a quick little like interlude Acapella, maybe. jesus loves me Let's everybody would love church. it it's a non yes yeah place in the movie and yes. also like yeah. it's like almost those times like in rap albums when they have like jazz music play for 30 seconds mm. and then it's like okay now the rap star yeah, like, oh my God. Right, <laughs> it's wonderful. like okay acknowledge let's move on <laughs> <clears throat> all right that's about all i had to say about that do anybody else have to say anything about it i think i i did some quick reading over well whitney houston because i was trying to familiarize myself with her and mm-hmm. i feel like i read that that was like i think that was technically the last song she performed like in the days up to her death. Oh, wow. I didn't I believe realize that. that's what I read. Huh. That makes sense, um, though. Which was interesting because I read that before I like listened to the album. And so it was interesting to get to this track and be like, mm. oh, this is what like it wasn't just like the cutesy. Like it's not exactly just the cutesy little version. Like I was like, oh, I bet that's probably like a Whitney Houston like stylized version of just like what we knew from the church. Well, songs. interestingly enough, <laughs> Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me was the B side to I was I will always love you. OK. Hmm. Out of all these songs, that was the B side. That was the wow. Piece. So, I guess if you bought that forty-five, you're gonna get just those two. Was every woman a uh, single? Yeah. Okay. Yes. That I feel like is a smart move. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. financially, yeah. You've you've truly captured everyone with yeah. those two, and it's like it's family friendly. Yeah, that that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Ooh, especially because I feel like I feel like we've talked about like. I guess keeping like gospel albums. Is this a discussion we have had? I think we have. Like we're like I think you were specifically talking like um families raised in the church and things like it was I it had to have been with like Marvin Gaye or something because yeah. he does like kind oh, of religious songs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. it was because it was like families were more yeah. likely to buy up those albums because That's right. like there are gospel songs on it. It was a little closer to like churchy and so people were like, yeah, we, get away. we can do that too. I think that was Marvin it's Gaye. It's almost like a secondary like you, like you already like the Whitney Houston song, you already like the Mar- Marvin Gaye song, but then you're like, oh, but there's some church stuff on there too. Like he's the uh, family. Mm-hmm. he's the only other person I could think of that has any kind of like, well, other than uh, uh, Hulk Boy, Mountain sure. Goats, Mountain Goats, on Darnell. Yes, other than him, I think he's the only other like Christian influenced <laughs> artist that we've had that we've talked about. Marvin Gaye. I can't think of anybody that we else. know of. Or that, that well, yes, that we know of as an artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. So anyway, that was a weird memory that we just slugged up. Yeah, in my right? mind, but I was like, no, this makes sense to me. <laughs> um, now, another banger we're going to talk about, of course, is even if my heart would break, which is. <laughs> I, sorry, which I, is was, I was listening to this earlier and I'm like, this is the whitest man that it has is, ever it, lived. It really is. It really is. So this is Kenny G and Aaron Neville. Aaron Neville. It's not white. I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Neville, but mm, my dad used to say he whined. He couldn't stand him because he whined. You, we've and talked about where it he all did that tell it like from. it is song. If that would come on the radio or on any of his CDs, he would turn. He would turn it. We've like, I can't about, do with this whining. Uh, we've talked about Aaron Neville before. Oh yeah. Lord have mercy. <laughs> that dude's voice is so strange. <laughs> Rough, y'all. <laughs> it's rough. And he's not a bad singer. But you know what? You know, I did, found a little fun fact about him, though. Linda Ronstadt produced his second album. Oh, wow. 
Wow. Isn't that like why? Like yeah. he just did like a weird collab with her and she was just like, I love you. What a, <laughs> what an interesting artist. What, we should talk about him sometime. Yes, we should. <laughs> we also should talk about Linda Ronstadt sometime. This is, well, that's another thing. Um, anyway, if you don't that's know who Aaron Neville is, go ahead and look him up. It's worth it. Um, if you don't know who Kenny G is, you're living under a rock. <laughs> Did anybody have any opinions over this song? Because I literally had zero. Like every time I heard it, I felt like it was in an elevator and I couldn't focus. Uh, Brandon's doing a recap. Man, I had a, I had a rough time with this album. Including, well, Colton, you know what? You have given me a rough time on some this is true. albums. This is so true. This is maybe the first time I've given now, you a hard I will. Time. I will yeah. retract. I Although I do love Whitney Houston, this it's just not my era for music, man. That's fair. But um, this I agree with. But I cannot, I cannot, do, I cannot say <laughs> that she didn't write era. good songs or that it wasn't good music. It's just the production work. Is, oh God! Ugh. But continue. We'll talk about it. Very of its time. <laughs> yes. Very of its time. Yes. Yeah. Um. All right. So moving on. Uh. Someday I'm coming back. <laughs> By Lisa Stansfield. Listen, is she's like the only other female? No, yeah, is she the only other female artist that's on the album? Uh, she is not. Actually, okay, no, okay. I thought I was wrong. I was gonna say there's another one where not she's technically there are two others. Technically, yes. I have a little surprise okay. for Brandon. But that's the only other like female like artist on the album, correct? With her name featured, which like again, I don't know much about Whitney Houston, but I do understand. I mean, she was the voice. Like, she, she imagine did. having to have your name on there. Under the towering name of Whitney Houston. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. Well, and I think I'm assuming what I would assume by the way they tell the story about the movie being made that a lot of these songs that aren't the Whitney Houston songs were plugged in prior to them deciding to put more music into the movie. That makes sense. Okay. Because it was, originally, I think she only had like one song that she sang. It wasn't even "I I Will Always Love You." I mean, so this Clive was Davis just was like the background Nabra. music and things that right. they were this like. They were like, like "This the... is just like kind of what's playing to set the scene, whatever." Exactly. But not featured songs. Yeah. Correct. Mm. I mean, and yeah. that's why it was such a big deal that Kevin Costner was like, "No, we're putting what? more, we're putting more Whitney Houston on the album." Okay. I mean, exactly. it's pretty obvious that her presence was essential for this thing to work. Absolutely. So. I'm sorry. And I think they saw that, and that's why they made so many changes right. early on. It's like we can't, we're not going to be able to get away with this the way right. they're trying to put it, put it across. I know that. Okay, I know we said like Diane Ross, like as an option, but did they have other people that they wanted to put into this particular? I did not like, see any mention else? of anybody okay, else yeah. they were even looking at for this. Because it's just weird that they would have been like I say, it's weird that they would have been so hesitant to like have like like why not feature more Whitney Houston songs? Like why would you make us like why would you make if it's a movie about a diva? Why would you only want her to have like one little pity song that she sings yeah. in the like movie? Like it wasn't as much her... about her yeah. before they put the music yeah. in it. So they added more storyline for Rachel as well. Okay. It was more so Kevin Costner's movie. This was Kevin Costner's movie. This mm -hmm. was not supposed to be a Whitney Houston movie. This mm -hmm. was supposed to be a Kevin Costner movie and she's supposed to be the little little supporting actress. Okay. She's just too bright of a star. She was supposed to be the cute little diva who probably had like, you know, one little half the perform. movie scenes and he's the the hero or whatever. That's probably exactly how it was originally put together. And then that's not how it worked out. Because, you know, Kevin Costner recognized a strong woman when he saw one. All right, let's move on. <laughs> it's going to be a lovely day. Uh, I just want to okay. just shout out just, just to I do someday like I'm coming song. back. I just, it, it's a gay bop. It is a gay bop, absolutely. She's a British uh, singer songwriter. I do oh. this this mm -hmm. song. I do I do like this one. This song you do like that's great because it was written originally and <laughs> it was written and originally recorded by Bill Withers. Oh, 
well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's why, um, that's why I, I like the original. it. Yeah, I like the original, too. I like but this one, too. Yeah. Covered by, by Soul System for this, I'm sorry, Soul System. For those of you who don't speak much. Soul System. Oh, yeah. Soul System. Soul System. Um, and do you know who the lead singer of Soul System was, Brandon? No. Michelle Visage. Oh my God! Oh, of course. <laughs> Who is oh a judge God. on RuPaul's Drag Race? Oh my God! Wow. So the female voice you hear on here is Michelle Visage, yeah. With the eyebrows. Yep. I guess I didn't know her last name until just now. Michelle well, I saw Visage. the name on there and I was like, "What? I know that name." They say their names on RuPaul like every episode, and I just like black Lost out or something. Her <laughs> name was not her last name wasn't Visage back then. She had a different last name back then, so they oh, may I not have. I see. I see. Credited her like that originally. That's amazing. Yeah. Um. I. I like this song. Yeah. It's, it, it. You know. It's not important. It's not right. It's not important. <laughs> it's not important. Anybody have anything important about it? Mm. I just want to make sure everybody gets to speak. <laughs> Okay, great. Um, next is uh, what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding. Okay, so is this the original version of this song? Because I feel like I've heard somebody else do this song before, earlier. Do you know? It is the original. Okay, so maybe I maybe this is just the one that I think of. I it's fe- Curtis Steiger's. Okay, it's written by Nick Lowe. Mm. Um, Niccolo is the guy who originally uh, he wrote "Cruel to Be Kind," which was covered uh-huh. in letters to Cleo by "Don't Think They Had About You." Maybe, um, maybe, maybe just hearing heard this when Caitlin played it as a kid. Yeah, maybe, possibly. Maybe that's just what I think of. I mean, gosh, we were three in '92, so. Well, I mean, I don't know. I can't remember the time frame, but we, I was pretty young when she mm-hmm. was listening to this. So. All right. Uh, have opinions. I was just being just being born in 1992. There's a lot of saxophone yeah. in this album, y'all. There's a lot of saxophone. A lot of saxophones. The 80s, man. They really like their saxophone and their pop they songs. Really did. Another reason why it's a little bit detestable. I it's don't shitty love, drums. Do you also not love saxophone? Because I actually really like saxophone, but it. not in the 80s. Okay. I don't like. I don't like it. when it sounds like we're gonna be watching a softcore porn <laughs> in the okay, next yeah. 30 seconds. I genuinely, I I just don't like producers in the 80s i just don't like the way the music sounds like and even some of my favorite artists in the 80s i don't like their albums from the 80s because it's just so cheesy and tinny sounding like mm. that was the sound though i know, you know? it was and i just you had recorded back that some people i know i know but some people really like that and i just i've never mm. understood it it just sounds so thin i guess i don't even i, I guess i don't think about it super super hard because it's like that's just what was going on back then so it's yeah. like this is what it's gonna sound like for me it affects i have to look past it it, yeah. it affects the way that the music sounds though like not not yeah, just i think that's when you go and look up the live recordings though like go maybe. look up a live performance and see how it's really done i suppose i don't know because like i personally like the live performances of all of these whitney houston songs 25 times better than i like the now and i will say the, the 80s are an unusual thing for me because i cannot stand 80s rock music for the mm. most part but like there's some good pop and like yeah. r&b and and all that kind of stuff going on in the some 80s stuff coming out so um new wave what i'm sorry nothing go on Okay. Are we good to move on? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fabs. Okay, next <laughs> up is the theme from the bodyguard, which is all instrumental, obviously. This is, I was about to say, I don't even remember this it's, one. It's composed by Alan Silvestri, 
who was the composer for the Back to Back to the Future film series, yeah. Predator, Forrest Gump, Poof Range, Rob Ranger, the Polar Express, The Abyss, wow. and and uh, apparently all the Avenger films. A busy man. He's a two-time Academy Award and Globe, Golden Globe Award nominee. Wow. So I have mashed, mashed potatoes in my mouth today. Um. So yeah, it was you know it was cinematic, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Great. Yes, it was. I'm so glad we all agree. Um, <laughs> next up is uh, Trust in Me by Joe Cocker and Sass Jordan. This was recorded for the film. And okay, I could nice. not find a whole lot of backstory on this particular song or how the hell Joe Cocker got involved. Hmm. That was all. a question I had because... But Sass Jordan is, an, a, is a Canadian blues artist. British mm. blues artist. I do like Joe Cocker a lot. I love Joe Cocker. I feel like I there, his voice. I feel like there was a time where White Soul was associated with Joe Cocker. White you know Soul, I mean? no, I'm sorry. Correct yourself. White Soul is associated with Joe Cocker. There has not been another Joe Cocker. There will I mean, not fair. be another Joe Cocker. Tell me somebody else. Come no, on. no. I'll I wait. Where are we waiting? More time. <laughs> Do we want another Joe Cocker? No, we don't. <laughs> exactly. We do exactly. Exactly. So this is, I'm just saying, you know, fix, fix your words. Um. <laughs> Continue. God. I, I didn't love this song. No. It's not like something I would pick up if I wanted to listen to Joe Cocker. And no. that didn't make me want to pick up anything else by Sass Jordan. Although this is two episodes in a row now that Joe Cocker has found his way into the conversation. Joe Cocker pops into every conversation. Because we, we talked to Dennis Wilson had something to do with the you are so beautiful I was, I, was waiting, <laughs> I was waiting for you to say something about Mike Love but okay <laughs> that was not another. this episode I do have a connection on this one though oh god now okay. that you said that <laughs> Since Joe Cocker's on this album and David Foster produced songs on this album David Foster played live Barbara Ann for Mike Love on a live show you know what? You know what about Mike Love? <laughs> that was saying. last episode. If you want to hear it, you have to go back. You have to go back. <laughs> go back. Or, or any other time in the future that the Beach Boys get mildly mentioned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ooh. now you guys, guess what? We get to get into the actual album. Whitney. <laughs> yes. Okay, uh, we're starting from... I, I didn't really go in in particular order, but I did say the best for last, I particularly think. Um, we're going to start with Queen of the Night. Mm. I'm the Queen of the Night. Yes. Yeah. What was everybody's impression of this particular song? Because I grew up with this song, so... This is the one that I remembered less from, okay. but um, it's a jam. It is a jam. It is a jam. I feel like I've heard this one before. Like, I mean, there's no way I haven't, right? I love this song. It is very popular in gay clubs and was very popular uh -huh. in gay clubs. That I mean, it's right, the yeah. most, <laughs> for me, the most gritty and soulful she gets on the album. And and a lot, really, the most gritty and soulful she gets throughout most of her career. Like, this is yeah. very much like. This really fits into, like, the character that they're trying to build in the movie. Because yes. th this yeah. is how I experienced the album, was just watching the movie and, like, having the songs hit me and then, like, going back to the album. So my first experience with the song is in the context of the scene, right? Mm -hmm. And she's like, that, like debuting a music video at uh, some nightclub, and things get out of hand, and then Kevin Costner comes in and like you know proves his worth, right? Um, <clears throat> but uh, it, it 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 reminded me like of like a like a Gaga spectacle, you know? Yes. Like it was oh. like it, and and I think that's what solidified the whole like Stars Born situation for me. So 
I have not seen A Star Is Born. How what be so the stories are not related at all? It seems no, no, and um, but just the vibe, just just the vibe, you know, like like uh like a real life pop star, uh, in a movie about being a pop star, ah, but it's I like see. it's like grand, it's I epic, see. like there's something like, oh, what do you call it, cinemascope? Like there's something so big about it. Okay. Um. <clears throat> I don't know. Watch. It just feels more like an event than a movie. I'll have to mm-hmm. watch one of the stars borns. Uh, at least the Gaga one was an event. I can't, I cannot speak about Babs or Judy or the OG, whoever that was, but continuing. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, uh, we pretty much talked about everything that I had, uh, bulletin already. <laughs> oh, great. Right, oh, great. That was quick. All right. Um, on to I'm every woman. I think, I think genuinely, I think this is actually my favorite song from this album. Listen, this is a banger. It really is. <laughs> this is you, you, be, you be popping your pussy like Ooh. this even if you ain't got one. Well, and it's the most because like. you are every woman. You are every woman. <laughs> okay. It's the most. It's all in you. This is a big thing for me too because this is probably the most <laughs> 80s sounding song mm-hmm. but peak 80s but peak 80s mm-hmm. the best the yeah. best parts of well, the, the 80s yes, yes yes and I, I will say that like that drum sound that the production style lent itself so much better to r&b and stuff like that than it did rock yeah mm-hmm. you know who this is written by who obviously uh well this is originally re- released by shaka khan on her debut album ah. in 78 um but it was written by ashford and simpson I guess I don't know that. They're, they're the ones they wrote. Uh, they wrote for for Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. They wrote oh, Ain't Him on High. You're Only Need to Get By. They wrote Reach Out and Touch. That makes Ross. sense. Mm-hmm. That's why it's such a banger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all those two know how to do. They are a songwriting duo powerhouse who used to write for Motown. You know, uh, I think it was Shelby I was talking to who did not know how Tammy Terrell died. Oh, do you guys know? Mm-hmm. I don't know that I know. You, you do you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. She uh, had a um, aneurysm on stage, just collapsed and died. Oh my! Jesus. She had been sick for a while. Yes. Wow. Yeah, she had a lot of issues. Like mm-hmm. she had things going on with her brain. She had a brain and tumor, and they did surgery after surgery, and yeah. she ended up collapsing in Marvin's arms. Just such a such a. Oh my god! No, we did talk yeah. about that. We did no, talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, Marvin Gaye. She, she died at twenty seven. I, I think. was thinking about oh. that also while I was thinking about Whitney Houston. I like I was like, because I'm sorry, but like Tammy Terrell was in a deeply abusive relationship oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and like uh-huh. there are people who are like they speculate they're like i think some of the trauma that happened to her and mm-hmm. like fucked up her brain like contributed to her death like for sure you know and so it's you know that like how whitney houston died you know what was leading up to right. that like it's mm. it is interesting a lot of parallels i guess see some of the parallels yeah definitely hmm. every woman well what else about every woman um it was recorded by whitney for the album um but that's about it like it okay it, it, it the critiques of her cover of the song were really good. Like people really loved it, but it's much more of a, da- I don't know if you've ever heard the original by Shaka Khan. Whitney's is much more of a dance club. Yeah. yeah I gathered that. Khan. Yeah. So that kind of went over really well in the nineties, obviously. Um, but it's, I, I, I learned the song real early. Yeah. It's all in me. And I remember being on, <laughs> I remember being on commercials on oh, TV. Yeah. Yeah. Long time. A long time. Probably still on some random commercial on some cable <laughs> channel, I'm sure. Yeah, probably. Um, d- did anybody have anything else to say about that song? Another gay bop. Another <laughs> gay bop. 
But I think that's that that's the cultural movement that's happening in the bodyguard is so many gay bops. Cool, I keep uh, touching things. I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't even hear anything. So. Great, wonderful. I'm okay. curious. I would love to to look into sometime the connection between club music and gay culture, because I feel like most songs that I know of that are associated with gay culture were like club hits or like yeah. they were remixed. And you can dance. Yeah. Because they want to fucking dance. Well, my thought would be that perhaps, and this is just an idea, most gay men met each other in clubs back in the day. That was really the only safe place. Right, exactly. Yeah. Clubs. So that would be my thought. Maybe that's how it got so enmeshed in the gay culture. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's also like maybe a little bit uh, drag and trans culture to oh, yeah. kind of um, doing all of the, uh, I mean, uh, imitation is the greatest form of flattery, you know? Yeah, true. Um, and so I think like a little bit with the, the balls and the pageantry, you know, they were mimicking uh, uh, women in pop culture. And I think there's uh, just sort of like a symbiotic of, relationship yeah. that like, you know, um, I don't know, these women come out and they make these songs and then these gay men make it the song, you know, just because they're... Uh, well, I guess, because I, I always look at the fact that like, you know, you say these song, these are these are gay songs, right? But like... I say that more in jest. I just well, want to like no, I know, I know, there. I know, I know. But like, I Not think about like I spokesman for gay culture. Elton John is a gay icon, but I wouldn't say so many of his songs are like gay culture songs. Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. True. That's yeah. very true. So yeah. he's like a gay artist, but he's not like right. And I'm just curious why why club music seems so much more a part of gay culture than actual like gay artists who write music of other things. I'm just it's just curious curious observation. It's probably just got to do with fucking. <laughs> Probably so. And maybe Studio 54 would be like a good like central Yeah, topic. maybe so, yeah. About cultural gay taste making. Yeah, because it feels like that all started around that time yeah. when all those clubs were popping up in New York City and, and kind of taking over the scene. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was just ended up being the only music they listened to because they were there and every Studio night. 54 was like curating the scene. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, right. the, whatever his fucking name is, was always at the door saying like, uh, no sir, go show, shave that mustache. Like, What'd you say? They were only open a year. Oh, yeah, because they're fucking idiots. <laughs> They are insane people. Somebody died in the vent. Died uh, in the vent trying oh to crawl that's in because they couldn't get that's in. That's a whole separate podcast. Anyway, that's not an album. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean to take off the rails. That's it's just an uh, interesting observation I've found. Uh, yeah. Before we get into the next three songs, the last the three, songs, the epic songs, um, we need to have a little quick conversation about David Foster. Okay. Yes. Okay, so David Foster was brought on specifically for these three songs and to curate the album and put a little, a little more meat on the bones. For Whitney, um, he is a Canadian record producer and arranger who grew up playing all instruments and started off as a studio musician. He actually was one of uh, in Chuck Berry's band for mm. a while. He's a oh, Chuck, I thought the name sounded familiar. He said Chuck Berry is a giant asshole. Oh. Um, his first like big hey, you might be sort of talented was when he was a third piano player in a studio recording for Barbara Streisand in the seventies, and he fixed something inside one of her songs for her, <laughs> and he she goes, "I like you." And he's been producing for her ever since. Wow. Including the epic, epic, out-of-this-world version of Somewhere on her Broadway's Greatest Hits album. She said, I I want it to sound like it is from another planet. I don't want any instruments. I just want synthesizers. Which is why it sounds like that. If you've ever heard it, if you haven't, look it up. (laughs) Okay, Babs. Um, He went on to produce... 
for Earth, Wind, and Fire, Chicago. He composed the score for St. Elmo's Fire. He wrote <gasps> Unbreak My Heart because you loved me. He signed Celine Dion. He signed Michael Buble, pulled him out of the prime minister's wedding up in Canada. <laughs> and he called 17-year-old Josh Groban and said, hey, hi, hello. Can you come sing at the Grammys with Celine Dion because Andrea Bocelli missed a flight? And then proceeded Josh to Groban. curate his entire career as well. I heard you gasp. Yes, because you, you know who his them? wife is currently. Catherine McPhee. Catherine McPhee of American Idol fame. Mm -hmm. They're thirty-four years apart. Thirty-four what? years. Yeah. <laughs> the She's his fifth wife. You. Ooh. And he has nothing but daughters and sisters who say that he's amazing, but he just sucks it. He's a runner. <laughs> There's a documentary on uh, Netflix. Um, it's of da about David Foster, and it's it's incredibly interesting and just packed, chock full of going. You? What <laughs> I was putting it back on. <laughs> He was. He took it all the way off. He was. He was shocked and appalled. I was. He knows it, better. Smashes Catherine McPhee. Smashes Catherine me? McPhee is married to David Foster. Get out of here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Proceed. Um. Anyway, so he's essentially what people say about him is that he's in a small little category with him and Quincy Jones. Like he's it. Uh, he is that guy in in Hollywood. Apparently, that sounds like it. Yes. Um. He's anyway. So he's. He's a big deal, and he was at the peak of his career when The Bodyguard was coming in, and they asked him to come in and do these songs. So we are going to start with um, Run To You. I want to run to you. And now this is, this is in the movie toward the beginning, right? Correct. And this is the song that's up for the Academy Award. Both of them were actually Run To You and I Have Nothing for an Academy Award. The same year. Wait, wait, wait. I mean in the movie. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 Okay. 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 Um, anyway, it was originally written as a breakup song, oh. which is okay. odd, uh, yeah. but the director really loved it. Everybody really loved it. And then like a month later, they called him and said, hey, hi, hello. Can you rewrite this as a love song? <laughs> so they kept literally everything. I mean, they kept, they changed everything except the title of the song. Run to you? Yes. Interesting. Which is wild to me. Wow. And it was nominated for an Academy Award. Wow. Uh, in 1993, but it lost to Aladdin's A Whole New World. <laughs> because, I mean, you know, unbelievable sights, unbelievable feelings. Stop. Listen, I am over Stop. sideways and under about it, okay? Soaring, tumbling, freewheeling. <laughs> I, I quit. <laughs> this is it. Today was the day. <laughs> anyway, they lost, so... <laughs> But this is like the song in the movie. Like, I think there's a scene Kevin Costner is like watching this music video. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's toward the beginning. It's like the 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 like the romance begins. You know, the twinkle is in his eye. <laughs> the, the the zero chemistry that's in this movie. Let's be completely honest. Yeah, 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 Don't yeah, lie. Yeah, you're right. Don't lie. <laughs> I ask again. Must you? <laughs> that time, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I sincerely did not like this song for a very long time. I'll be totally honest with everybody. It was not one of my favorites yeah. um, until I was like in my early 20s. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm fragile. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fragile and I might maybe might maybe need people. Mm. Because it is very much about just kind of opening up to someone that you want to trust, but you're not sure if you should trust, but you want to trust him. Yeah, which is... I for this stupid just, movie. Just open up to Kevin Costner. Just open up to him. Just run to him. Run to him. 
and his looks from afar. His oh my god, his his, his pensive looks. No, am I naval? Yeah. Oh am my I god. Alone? Am I alone in thinking like what a stud? Ooh, and the track jacket. Is he really yes. though? Is he really though? What a stud? A stud. Are you asking? Is he? I mean, he's I've a, never he's, found Kevin Costner to be handsome. He's definitely handsome, and he's definitely handsome in that '90s way, where he's a very realistic looking. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's the men now are too could, polished and pretty, and I hate it. Kevin Costner grit. could be Todd you fish with the on Sundays. What was that? Say that again. What was that? I said Kevin Costner could be Todd you fish with on Sundays. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's indescript. He's not. He's not he's anything super hot, special. Like but he's not super. Ugly. I can't. With like you he lives today. down the street from you, and sometimes your dad goes over and has a beer with right, him. Right. Right. Like yes, my mom. Hey, he's over on Todd's porch. Oh, again. I'll go over okay, there. Did you, was there a Todd in your life? Was there a, was there a hot Todd neighbor down the street? I don't know why I chose no, Brandon's but uncle's name. I had a name. huge crush on my dad's why. brother's friend, Because Randy. I'm sorry. That's, pro- that's who I thought of was Todd. I knew there, there was a source material for you. <laughs> Somebody get this to Todd. Let him know so that he is Kevin to Costner. Todd Myers that I thought of him as Kevin Costner since when I was a child. This is a mess right now. <laughs> we are all cross-talking over each other. That's fine. I'm so it's sorry, like Jeffrey. The old days. Jeff is currently shouting, No, it's not fine. <laughs> I said, Jeannie, I said, I knew you had a source material for your. <laughs> yeah. Your dad's brother's friend, Randy. Yeah. Right. No, Rodney. Rodney. Sorry, oh. I said Randy too wrong, but Rodney. Rodney's a hotter name too. This is true. Randy. <laughs> I know. Don't listen. All right. It's it's a distinct kind of. I was just thinking of Rodney, I know. And- Oh, no. No, no, and the description for him. Okay. In the face. <laughs> I know Brand- uh, Brandon Colton hates the production of this song. Um, any other thoughts, though? No. Great. Brandon? <laughs> no, great. Eugene? I think I'm good. Sweets. Awesome. Well, we're going to move on then to I have nothing. 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 If I don't have you. Now, I uh, only know this uh, by way of karaoke. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, b- do not apologize. Do not apologize. Did I sing it? Yeah, I think oh, a couple times. I think this is like a regular in the rotation. Or somebody demanded it. i sorry. Yeah, this is one of Christina's usual I see. Suspects. Okay, yeah, th- there it is. There it is. I mean, it's always, it's always, because it always shows up like from the bodyguard. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I always forget that this is from the bodyguard. See this this song and I will always love you are like the the Whitney Houston songs for me. Yes, yes they are. And I, and you know this song in particular. I, I know everyone talks about when well, we'll get there, but everyone talks about the song um, being a, a an amazing display of her vocal prowess, oh. which I absolutely, absolutely, absolutely agree with. However. This one, yes. the control she displays yes. in this one, especially in the beginning with the shimmer. Listen, that's a hard ass vowel to be hitting that softly, okay? And she's just out here with her vibrato going. You can hear all the breath, everything. It's all supported and beautiful. And then she comes in, ah! and then she's fuck. It's perfect. Like she. And I feel that I can't talk about it enough. <laughs> I feel that this one, she takes more risks with this song, many more risks, and pulls it off flawlessly. This is almost a perfect. For me, this is a perfect, perfect marriage of her, I would say classical roots, because yes. she is trained. This is a trained singer. This girl did not come from nobody. Mm-hmm. She she comes from musical royalty, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, so from her training, and then add in this grit and this 
because if you know anything about Whitney Houston herself as a person, she was not clean cut. Mm-mm. She was not black and white. She was not cut and dry at all. They, she, there was something very down, deep, and dirty about Whitney Houston. She was bisexual. She was in the closet. She was a drug addict. She had all sorts of demons in her closet. And I think this is a beautiful marriage of those two personalities coming together yes, and absolutely. showing up and showing out at the same time. An uh, masterpiece. Truly. Um, this was written by David Foster and his then wife, Linda Thompson, which apparently she wrote like three notes. So nobody get excited. <laughs> She's not a songwriter, y'all. Um, Linda Thompson is actually uh, the ex-wife of Caitlyn Jenner. Oh. And the mother of his two, her, sorry, excuse me, her two oldest children, Brandon and Brody. I see. Hmm. Okay. Jenner. Um, and she also was a girlfriend of Elvis. I forget about. What was that last bit? She was a girlfriend of Elvis. So she's oh. famous for being famous. Wow. Okay. She was on some variety show back stuff. in the 70s and was cute and blonde and, you know, one of those ah. who kind of just stayed married to the right people and stayed in the spotlight. Like she had a little reality show and she was on Real Housewives OC and it was a whole thing anyway. So um, anyway, so that's that's that. That's all I had to say about that. Here it comes. Good. Solid. And we're here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> The moment you've all been waiting for. I will always love you. <laughs> Let's just take a moment. <laughs> Can we just take a moment for how epically perfect this song is? Iconic, timeless. You didn't even take a moment, damn. Yeah. Not even, even a, a moment. moment. He didn't even take a moment. He just had to talk through it. Fuck's sake. Ugh. This is not black church, sir. You gotta shut up. <laughs> Amen. anyway all right great so i will always love you it was written by dolly parton which comes to a surprise to most people that she originally recorded it um this arrangement was arranged by david foster um with a close eye kept by dolly parton apparently (laughs) um so the original plan for the, the titular song for whitney houston to sing was what becomes of the brokenhearted which is a great song. Has anybody ever heard of What Becomes it's of not, the I Will Broken Always Love Hearted? No, because the chorus is all that's there. Like, it's not anything more than right. the chorus. Uh-huh. Do you want to hear that real fast, Brandon? No, no, no. Go okay. On. Just checking on you. Thank you. Um, uh, but the, the, apparently that song had been plopped into a movie six months before they were making all these decisions. And they were like, mm, uh-huh. that's not going to work. Which Kevin Costner was like, I don't really care because I hated it anyway. <laughs> 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 so they had to find another song. And David Foster got a hold of the Linda Ronstad cover of I Will Always Love You and was like, this is great. Played it for Whitney. Whitney was like, this is awesome. Called Dolly, asked, if they could, asked her if they could use it. She was all about it. And she's like, I cannot wait um, to hear Whitney sing, uh, and I wish you joy and happiness. And David Foster said, what? What verse is that? Like, we don't have that verse. The Linda Ronstadt version only had two verses instead of three. Oh. And Dolly was like, that is the most important verse. It's the whole reason for the song. Like, it has to be in there. So they had to rewrite the version for Whitney, <laughs> adding that back in. Wow. Which is the thing you think about when you think about her sin. Like, I, and I wish you joy. That's <clears throat> right there, right? Anyway, so, um, so they had to add that back in. Um, and the whole of that line is, I hope life treats you kind. And I hope you have all you dreamed of. And I wish you joy and happiness. And above all else, I wish you love. Um, so a little, little quick 
funny story. So Kevin Costner was the one who wanted it at the beginning to be acapella. And David Fosner and uh, David Fosner. I wow, love what did how I just say? control he took in this. Like yes. he was like, He's like no, I want I've this got to be acapella. To be made. David Foster and Clive Davis were like, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to be able to sell an acapella thing on the radio. Like that's never going to happen. And so they came Wrong. to a they came to a little. Hey, we'll just compromise real fast. And in the movie, we'll do it acapella. And then on the album, we'll add the music back in, in the beginning, like we had originally planned. So they somehow recorded it in the movie. She sang it live oh, wow. for the movie. By the way, it was the first time anyone had heard her sing it full out. <laughs> they recorded it. Clive Davis sent it to the radio stations after hearing it without telling anybody. <gasps> that's what they put on, and that's what's been out ever since. And wow. David Foster will eat. He says he will eat his words oh. on that. And amazing, he was amazing. Wow. And that's how she's always performed it, and they've never changed. The I can't even imagine it. Without exactly, like, what even would go there? Right, because I mean, it's it's Whitney's voice is the centerpiece of the whole thing. So why would you start with anything Can else? Can you imagine being in a vehicle? Now we're talking like pre CD players, right? Oh, in a vehicle on radio stations, blaring about some mattress company or whatever it is, and then all of a sudden it just goes quiet, and you're like, oh crap, did it did it did it poop poop out? What happened? I lost service or whatever. If I just comes up, everyone was shut down. I bet the cars just got quiet. <laughs> Just quiet. Just float. Just floats into the just to the car. Floats into the ether. It takes over your whole body. I can't imagine. Oh, hearing that for the first. Oh no no. Anyway, <laughs> yes. Um. So they never changed the arrangement. Um. Like I said, she sang it live during the recording. Cute little fact. David Foster sitting in the back, and Whitney's mother Sissy, who is also a famous gospel singer. Mm. is sitting in the back with him and she looked straight him straight at him dead in his eyes and said, I hope you realize that you're witnessing greatness. <laughs> and that was it. Whitney was never the same. That was like her whole life changed after that. Um, quick. I, I like this little fact because this guy is on everything. Um, the saxophone player for Whitney Houston is named Kirk Whalem and he toured with her for like eight years. Wow. And did the, the saxophone solo on this song the whole time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, featured on a lot of Luther Vandross's catalog, mm. and yeah. uh, but he didn't win his first Grammy until 2011 with a collabor- collaboration with Lala Hathaway, huh. of all things. I thought that was really interesting. Mm. Um, so this song's epic, obviously. How, epic. How, how do we feel? Like I, this song is ingrained in my soul. So how how do we feel? I I, I think this song and Whitney Houston are inseparable. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's what you know Whitney Houston yep. as mm-hmm. or for. Absolutely. And like I said, it's iconic, timeless. Like there's, there's really, there's just no other version like this one, you know? You can and there are so, so many versions things. of the song. So yes. many versions. It's one of those like, you know, like, um, like Jimi Hendrix's version of All Along the Watchtower. It became more definitive than the original version mm-hmm. of it, you know? It, when this song pops up for the first time in the context of the movie, it's, it's, I don't know who is singing it, but they hear it on the radio. Like the two characters, <laughs> uh, Rachel and uh, the bodyguard. What the fuck is his name? Kevin Gosling. Oh, oh, you know what? That's a good question. <laughs> his name's Kevin Gosling. No, no, the, the character's name. I know, I Frank. know, I know. Frank, 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 Frank yeah, Rachel and Frank. <laughs> the bodyguard, Kevin Gosling. Okay, the bodyguard, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> fucking. They're like, they're in a restaurant and they hear it and they start dancing and that's like, you know, then they have sex later. Um, but she, she Spoilers. like, this is, sorry. She like, this is the song. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
she says, this song is so sad. And they talk about it and they just like pluck it out of the scene. And then all of a sudden she's singing it at the end. Like it's, it's. I think it's sung by a guy. It is sung. Yeah. Yes. I can't remember his name, but he is singing it almost identically to the Dolly Parton version. Yeah. Which okay. is very slow and sad. I mean, like it, the, the, I hope life treats you kind thing in the Dolly Parton version. She says it. So she goes, I hope life <laughs> treats you kind. Mark Martell. Mark Martell. Okay. You have all you dreamed of. <laughs> and I wish you joy and happiness. That's how she says it in the song. It's like, ooh, Lord, oh my God, you're getting to my heart, Dolly, all the time <laughs> to the day you die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That's funny. Uh, so I looked up Mark Martell, Canadian Christian rock musician. Oh. Uh, don't know anything about him other than the fact <laughs> it says. Aside from his own work, Martell is known for his Queen covers and his vocal likeness to frontman Freddie Mercury. Oh, well, that's well, a testament. Well, Adam stole your job, bruh. Yeah, he did. In Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, Mark Martell actually recorded some of the vocals when Rami wasn't able to record them. Oh, in the oh, movie. Yeah. Yeah, in okay. The movie. And so. they did like this weird... Oh, that's interesting. So he must be good. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, Jeannie, you didn't say a whole lot. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. No, this you're is good. Just, just make sure. I'm, I was going to say, no, I think I said already that this is like the song that I feel like you know Whitney Houston by. Like, mm-hmm. Inseparable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just, I think one thing career that surprised defining. me, again, I was reading about her and like, she kind of had a relatively short career. Like, yeah. for like, as like absolutely titanic as her name is. Like, right. It was all of like maybe 20 years, a little over, I right. think is all it was. Like, that's really not that long. Like, she wasn't out here like Michael Jackson. His right. No, yeah. She, she doesn't, like, as big as her name is, it's not like she has, like, a 45-year career, you know? She's just like, an incendiary performer. Yeah. And also, it's it's hard to ignore that there is not anyone who sounds like her. Right. And has not sounded like, I mean, I've heard some, I've heard some powerhouse women try to tackle this song, and never quite right. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that it's bad. It's not that it's wrong. It's not that you shouldn't. Right. I'm not going to say you shouldn't. But it's not quite right. It's like I, I think this like, is able to like, make it so big. It's like you know, Doctor Thunder's fine, but it's not Doctor Pepper. <laughs> it's all right. He'll get the job done. It'll create. It'll I think it's the uh, craving, but I'll it's take a Mister Pepper. But he's no doctor. He's no doctor. I think it's a testament to um, sometimes with recording, you just manage to capture magic mm. at the right time. Mm-hmm. That's the only time you're ever going to get it. Like she could sing the song a second time that same day and it would not have sounded the same. You um, know? Quick little funny story. And just because I think it's like just speaks to how Whitney was viewed in the recording industry. Celine Dion was working on that freaking song all by myself. And mm-hmm. uh, David Foster wrote that crazy insane high note for her and mm-hmm. made her do it 26 times in a row. Wow. And then said, if you can't hold it as long as I need you to hold it, Whitney Houston's down the hall in Studio 8, and I will get her to hold it for you. That's the audacity. What came in, he pressed record, and what came out was the audacity. The audacity! audacity. Going down. (laughs) But yeah, it's just an epic once-in-a-lifetime thing, I think. Yeah. I find talent like that very often. Mm Mm-mm. Anyway, so that's really all I had to say about that song. That's all I could find on that song. 
There wow. are a ton of documentaries out there, y'all. There's a documentary on David Foster on Netflix, like I said, is really, really good. There's a couple of ones on uh, YouTube of Whitney Houston that are amazing, and they pop up first when you search them, so they're the longest ones. Okay. Check them out. All right. I gotta watch the Expand movie. your knowledge. A lot of six degrees separation here going on, too. It's, it's, a, it's not a great movie, but it's a great movie. I think perhaps the soundtrack is what makes it great. Yeah, it's yeah. worth watching. I mean, it's you know, it's our first movie. Right. <laughs> you got to support well, the baby. You know, it's it's not that Kevin Costner is bad at what he does. No. He is very Kevin Costner this movie though. I'm going to yes. He is straight Kevin Costner. Well, he movie. just came off of Robin Hood and you can't get any more Kevin Costner <laughs> than Robin Hood. He was too busy fighting the producers on this for everything. So, Listen, you know, I'm glad be. he did though. I you know, I am too. The, the most surprising thing I found out about this album was Kevin Costner's involvement. Like I was just very please because i don't know a lot about him personally so it's nice to hear like what kind I of know human he is one of he has one of my favorite um sports movies actually he plays a oh not field of dreams i can't remember the name uh the perfect pitch i think oh perfect yeah game, perfect, the perfect game. game yes i forgot about that he movie. uh plays a pitcher who um is he at they kind of go backwards through his life but he at one point cuts his hand open with a a, a a bandsaw table saw and like almost ends his career. But all the while you're learning about his story, he's pitching his last perfect game, like no hits, no runs. It's honestly really good. It's a really good movie. Yeah. I forgot about that. I'm going to rewatch that. Yeah. One. And that it's not, it, it's not so much about, you know, sports. It's just, it's, it's, it's a good story. Yeah. It's a good story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That and the, uh, the rookie are my two <laughs> favorite ones. <laughs> that one's so corny. <laughs> Do you remember that movie? Uh, oh, man. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not too off guard. Anyway, so that's that's it. That's the album, y'all. That is the Bodyguard soundtrack in its entirety. I hope we didn't take up too much of your precious time. But also, no. you should take up your precious time by checking out precious at least time. the first half of this album. Um, you can stop when it gets to Jesus. But Genuinely, if I you love Jesus, go on with your bad self then. On. I think uh, this might be the shortest episode. Oh, we are at an hour and two minutes. No, I can tell you it isn't, but <laughs> it's well timed. Thank you. I, I prepared well, for this. You one, and Jeannie are are the concise ones of of the four yes, of us. Yes, it's true. Yeah, we make notes. We are prepared. I got three no. pages here. Colton, you see out it? <laughs> no, I refuse. <laughs> Anyway, y'all, thank you so much for coming on this journey with me today. Yeah. Um, uh, who's up next? Brandy, you want to take this? The, uh, the, the, the Jean, next one up is Miss Jeannie again. And she's the last. This is the last she's one? She's the last one. <gasps> what? What? Yeah. Oh, I, of this season. Oh, my God. Oh my God. We're already here? We're already <gasps> here. Dang. We've uh, reached the end of our contract. Yeah, we've been doing wow. this for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. The end of our like, contract. Like, almost two years. <laughs> yeah, That's since cool. we were wearing masks everywhere. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what are we listening to, Jeannie? Yeah. Oh, man, listen. <laughs> oh, man. I wish I knew, but I don't think I actually have an album picked out. So I, don't think, I need to get on that. I don't I think you picked out one last time either, I don't think. When no. you, oh, oh, yeah, I'd kind of waited. You know, here's the thing. I think I've hit a weird little spot where I'm not sure. Like, mm -hmm. I think... Mm, I think I was picking a lot of albums that was based off of stuff that I was really into, but I think some of that I I want to revisit just doing some good research yeah. for an album. Um I have not fully picked an album. Right. Um, no, no, like possible. I have a few possibilities. Like I will say that. Um, 
we have covered and I will always love you. Um, I think I was interested in, in visiting Dolly Parton's first album. Hello, Ooh. I'm Dolly. Um, but I don't want to promise you that. Okay, fair enough. Give me a minute to revisit that one. All right, fair enough. That might be. I'll shoot you a text. I'll try <laughs> to have that. I mean, this is next week, right? Correct. Okay, yeah. So by tomorrow, Monday, May right. 14th, right? 15th? That's today. 16th. The 16th, 16th is tomorrow. I'm living yeah. a few year, few days in the past. You guys are uh, starting a new job tomorrow. Yay! All right. Thanks. Stuff is rolling. Stuff's rolling. Things are happening. Well, shall we say goodbye, everyone? Yeah. Let's say goodbye. Yeah. <clears throat> Bye. So, yes, dad, dad, boat names. Uh, I said a boat time and fishizzle already. Let me continue. I, this is it's a meme. Uh, feeling naughty, spelled N A U T I. Okay. Uh, God. These, now this is two boats. Uh, that is wood two W O O D T O O, and the second one is wood not. Would to and would not. Okay. Uh, peer pressure, but spelled P I E R. Uh huh. Uh huh. Like that. <laughs> the, this one actually is pretty good. The unsinkable two. <laughs> that one's at good. That. <laughs> that one got me. That was like, a good one. We need to that, get you a pair of New Balances uh, and get you a lawnmower. Girl, Dad. you think I don't have a pair of New Balances at home? I do. <laughs> It's He's good for your way. feet. <laughs> All right, let me two more. I got two more. Two more. Two more. Two more. All right, cirrhosis of the river. <laughs> that one's solid. And then the, the the very last one. It might be too easy. Aquaholic. Oh, I want that one. That would be on the and it would be like in cursive pink writing to aquaholic. You'd have to go. Oh. <laughs> uh, mm. I go. Mm-hmm. My beer. <laughs> <laughs>